Welcome to episode nine of Trill Talk with Sam. Thank you for tuning in. Today I have a very special guest. I've been wanting him to come on this show since before, <laughs> before I even decided to have the courage to even start a podcast because I felt like I sounded stupid. So anyway, without further ado, we have the Isaiah Lewis. The Isaiah Lewis. <laughs> on Trill Talk with Sam today. Sammy, 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 what's going on, my love? I'm glad you're here. So, fun fact, before we dive into the episodes, this is one of my good friends. We randomly met through a group chat that was actually specifically for roasting. (laughs) (laughs) One of my friends was one of my, uh, one of our other great friends. Shout out to Mark. Marzi, tour 2020. I was friends with him from work, and he just randomly threw me in a group chat because he felt like I was funny. Some people think I'm funny. Some people think I'm corny. Hilarious. I don't know. I feel like I'm a mix of both. But anyways, Mark added me to the group chat, and um, we was in there, I don't know, a good couple of months, up Mm -hmm. to a year. I finally met everybody in person, and it's been a vibe ever since then. Yes, 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 yes. That is how we, we, um, we got cool. But... If you want to tell um, the listeners about yourself and about something uh, you share with me, a very important project, I feel like they need to know about. So the floor is yours. Absolutely. Well, um, I, it's kind of hard to follow act like that. Um, as she said, we went in a group chat, which was a had to be about three years ago now. And man, it was just a, it was it was a cool it was a cool vibe. Once I got a chance to meet Samantha, she is the most kind, sweet, Aww. personable, charismatic, um, intelligent young woman that you know I've come across. And I, my only regret is I wish I, wish I would have met her sooner when I was living down here uh, a few years ago. Um, but as she said, uh, her and, and my best friend Mark, that's who I had met her through. And it's been about, what, um, as I said, three years since we've been able to vibe and to, to kick it. And she has been a great friend, a great support system, and being an advocate and an encourager for all of us to, to follow our dreams. So it's great to see that she is taking the steps forward and is doing the dang thing that they say. So I'm proud of you, girl. Black girl magic, all that. Yeah, Aww. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so more about you. But thank you. I didn't expect you to randomly oh, sure. encourage me. Oh, sure. So. <clears throat> Real niggas don't cry. It's trill talk with Sam. Word, trill talk. Trill talk. Okay. So tell us more about who Isaiah Lewis is. Who is Zay? Man, that's such a hard thing to describe. But a little bit about me. I am from New Jersey. Um, I went to Virginia State back in 2009 to 2013. Um, I moved back home to New Jersey, worked in government for a few years. Then in about 2000, on about 2019, that's when I started my own business, Lewis Enterprise LLC, okay. um, which basically is a you know consulting uh, firm that I have where you know I help. It's more specialized in human resources where I help people specialize and optimize and in you know improving uh, inner work relations, skill development, organizational leadership, and training, uh, HR work. For small businesses and local government agencies. So I've been doing that for a few years. Uh, I just finished uh, getting my book published. Uh, that'll be coming out very soon. Um, a Millennial View on Power and Democracy. 
So, you know, between entrepreneurship and between, you know, authoring and also, you know, engagement into my community, uh, that's pretty much uh, just uh, who I am. Oh, by the way, um, I also like long walks on the beach. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, I guess, that kind of sort of thing. So, yeah. Okay, ladies. <laughs> y'all better, um... Y'all better get it together. You might, you might be listening to your future husband here. Oh, that's right. Manifestation. Right. So you talked about that you worked for the government. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to our first topic. Mm-hmm. I didn't even tell. Usually I start off the episode telling people what it's going to be about, what we're going to touch on. Mm-hmm. But I'll just go ahead and give y'all a rundown really quick because, you know. Yeah, we're going to be jumping from. We're about to be jumping around, but I'm pretty sure it's relevant. Word, word. So we're going to talk about something that's uh, pretty evident in America that needs to be discussed. Democracy and how can we build it. Um, then we're going to touch on dating with intention. I did an episode on this earlier in the season. So if you didn't get to listen to that or didn't want to listen to it, we're going to talk about that on this episode. Because um, I think it would be good to have both a male and a female perspective on that. And lastly, self-healing, which is very necessary, especially once again at this time in America. We are suffering through a pandemic along with other personal issues, individual things that we're going through. So anyway, democracy. So tell me about your experience working for the government or your experience as a whole with the government. Well, uh, when I started off working in local government, I would say 2014, I started working in a municipal court and that went well. You know, it was an internship. Um, so between working in the courts for a few years, uh, I moved on and then I became uh, an inspector uh, for a township. And then eventually I moved on from that. And then I started working in the finance uh, department for uh, county government. So I was really jumping around from place to place, you know, building my resume, uh, you know, establishing myself as a young professional. Um, but I got a chance to understand the inner workings of how government functions from not only a operative standpoint, but also from a political standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think that had I not had a chance to just work in these capacities, working my way up, I wouldn't have understood how government works, the importance of it, and especially with um, civic engagement and people going out to, to vote and involve themselves. Um, just from sitting in uh, community meetings uh, what what. what uh, local officials to going to town hall meetings and, and being a part of voter registration, um, also being a part of you know different aspects of community relations that helped people stay you know stay abreast to what was going on within their community. And I think it's important. I say that because a lot of times the, the focus is primarily on federal. You know what's going on in Washington, which is important, um, but. I believe that true, true change, excuse me, starts from the bottom up, you know, the localization, who, you know, you're electing to the school board, uh, who you're, you know, electing uh, as a county sheriff or county executive uh, to council persons, to the mayor. Um, all of those things are extremely important because those are essentially the advocates and your, your local uh, representatives, you know, Congress people, you know, your senator. Um, all of these people are going to advocate in some capacity uh, for your needs um, in this country, especially for your state. So 
I think it's just really important that people just stay tapped into that for real. I agree. I think that especially, well, I can tell you from, and you went to state, so you have some experience with Petersburg. I feel like we, or Petersburg, so side note, that's the city in Virginia that I currently reside in. Second home, yeah. <laughs> and um, I think that a lot of the reason why we are just now starting to see change, if not any, is because for a while, especially, and I feel like it's not just Petersburg, actually, it's all cities or towns mm-hmm. that are mostly predominantly black. We tend to only focus on the bigger elections. We only care about the presidential election. And sometimes we may be a little concerned about um, the congressional uh, seats that are filled or, or what have you, but we don't really focus on who we're choosing to be the mayor. We're not focusing on who we're choosing to be on a school board, a city council. And then when we start to have problems arise, like for example, and this is public knowledge, um, there, there's been issues or there were issues with utility bills in Petersburg mm. to the point where I guess someone had to come in or someone federal on a federal level had to come in and do an audit. And it's like, you know, not specifically picking on Petersburg, but period in any city, town, wherever that you live in, you need to be aware of who you have in positions like that when it comes to, um, city or town funds or when it comes to utility bills because you have people who either are mishandling money or they are um just i don't know stealing it so so and then that ends up that ends up becoming a problem that eventually you can you can physically see that that's an issue because you have um, you're wondering where funding is going when it comes to education. You're wondering where funding is going when it comes to the streets being all messed up. Yeah, yeah, so it's like it's local government is, is really important. Even in this pandemic, I feel like coronavirus should have taught people the importance of local government. Mm-hmm. It should have taught you the importance of who your governor is. You have some people that are severely sick or dead because their governor made a poor choice when it comes to reopening. Yeah. So if you know who you're electing, you know, like you can you can um, avoid stuff like that or at least have someone that you feel like would make the best decision for the overall population. So how was your experience? So you you're in Jersey presently. Mm-hmm. How was your experience? Like, how do you think the government handled the governor or what have you handled coronavirus? Honestly, I think Governor Murphy did a great job, and he's been doing a, a great job. Um, and I would also got have to give props to Governor Como over in New York, one of our yeah, neighbors. Yeah, definitely. You know, they've been following the, the CDC guidelines. They've been paying attention to the numbers, and they have been, I would say, diligent uh, from the top down and, and the bottom up of ensuring that, you know, policies and, and, and decisions are being made that support the science. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think that that's discussed enough. I think that a lot of people believe that this virus is a hoax, which is a whole nother topic. And I think that sometimes people allow political polarization to discourage them from not only going to the voting polls, um, but also paying attention to um, the matters that are at hand. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that Governor Murphy um, has been, uh, in conjunction with the mayor, a uh, governor of New York, have been opening up Jersey and, and New York City, respectively, in phases. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember for the first three or four weeks, I would say almost two months with a coronavirus, um, we had stay-at-home orders. Yeah. These stay-at-home orders have gone on, I think, July might actually have been the end to our stay-at-home order. Mm-hmm. And it's been, you know, slow um, openings happening in phases. Mm-hmm. And I think that because they have allowed these phases, allowed the reopenings to happen in phases, it's kind of stopped the, the spread and slowed the, um, flattened the curve. And we actually lost more people in New Jersey than we did in 9-11. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, we suffered a great deal of loss. Uh, as I said, New York City is like literally our neighbor. A lot of people who don't want to pay rent or because rent is really high in New York City. Right. They'll live in New Jersey and they'll commute to New York every day. So it's good that, and that's another thing, um, it's important that they work together. Government is intended for public service. And I think that sometimes when people are so politically polarized, they say, okay, well, Fox, Fox News is saying this, then we'll listen to that. Or if, if CNN is saying this, then I'll only, I'll take segments of what they're saying or I won't take any any of it at all. Mm-hmm. The reality is like, okay, well, it's a pandemic. Right. You know, it's not the common cold. It's not something, I think, honestly, this disease is a lot more um, attainable or to to spread than probably anything I've ever seen in my life. Right, you know? same. So I think that for, especially young people um, and those who are asymptomatic, it's important that you practice social distancing guidelines and you respect the fact that some people don't have not only a very strong immune and respiratory system, but they also don't have the um, they don't have the, the the medical insurance to pay for something as you know damaging as something as coronavirus. Right. So this is the time now for people to care about each other. You know what I mean? Plain and simple. I agree. It has nothing to do with politics. Just practice the guidelines. Keep six feet apart. Use hand sanitizer and mind your business. Right. No, I agree. I wish I wish it was that simple to do. I think the governor northern has done a really good job. Okay. Um <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> respectfully, <laughs> every time I mention Governor Northern or I see him on TV, I think about when one of the uh, I was reading like the comments on Facebook Live when he was going over um, what phase one would look like, you know, once we start reopening and, you know, the, how can I call them? Because, you know, I got love for all people, but I'm going to say the All Lives Matter people, okay. they were attacking him in the comments and they, they kept calling him Governor Blackface. And so, <laughs> every time... Every time he there's an article about him or, you know, like he goes live and goes over what Virginia needs to do next, these people are dragging him, calling him Governor Blackface. But you know what? Regardless of the blackface photos that surfaced when he got elected, I think he handled Virginia very well. So he so just to clarify, um, there is an actual photo of him in blackface. Yeah, like, we can go ahead and pull it. You guys, listeners, everybody that's listening, y'all got access to Google. I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to start nothing, but I'm just saying. I have saying. a very interesting comment about that, too. Um, 
Let me see it first. Yeah, let's. Okay, y'all. So I'm going to show that he hasn't seen it. This is it right here. You probably can't really see it, but. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. We, <laughs> we're not <laughs> laughing at the fact that he has on blackface. You guys know we are pro black around Absolutely. these parts, but we, you know. I really think, so in the picture, if you haven't seen it or if you're driving, you don't have access to Google right away, there is it's a photo that surfaced right around the time that Governor Northern was elected, and it, I think it's like a yearbook picture, and basically, you know how like you have activities like Pep Club or something like that, and basically it was him and some other guy, the guy had on the KKK uniform, and Governor Northern was a complete blackface, like looking like a whole Jethro in this picture. <laughs> And he, I don't think he's in the clan. I don't think he's in the clan, but but I think that it was one of those insensitive white boy things. Like I think that it was. Can we touch on that? Yeah. I, I attended a historically black college, all black, and you know one thing I write about in my book is that I always say that you know the black experience is not monolithic right mm-hmm. you know we all have different interests we have different philosophical religious uh, political views mm-hmm. that shape our perception of who we are in society right when I was on campus we had a lot of great discussions there were some heated discussions there were some things that we agreed on some things we disagreed on and I think that's always historically been the case in the black community. You read mm-hmm. uh, W. Du Bois' book, Souls of Black Folk. He disagreed with Booker T. Washington on some things. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were all about black progress at the end of the day. Right. I set the table like that because we never really focused on white people. Mm-hmm. You know, even, you know, I joined a black fraternity, out of Theta Fraternity Incorporated, and we never discussed about our hate or disdain for white people. Right. We were just focused on progress. So, you know, for me, my perspective is how is it that as a, as a white person that wears blackface, you know, you go to a university, an institution of higher learning where you aspire to, to, to grow, to develop, to develop and to do something meaningful in this world. And on your spare time, knowing that the, the racial hot seat that this country has had and, and the, the just destructive and, and catastrophic things that white people have done to black folks in this country and all throughout the world, racist white people in particular, you find time yeah. to say, well, you know what, we hate them so much that we're going to wear blackface like them. You know, we didn't sit around and say, well, you know, we hate white people. We hate them because mm-hmm. of slavery. We hate them because of redlining. We hate them because of them killing unarmed black folks. We hate them because of systemic racism in the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Notice I stated reasons. Right. But even having reasons, we still didn't indulge in just dehumanizing behavior. Yeah. I it's I agree. I mean it's like, well how are you finding the time to do this if we are beneath you? But hey, that's a really good subject and that is a whole other podcast episode because I told you before we can go. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I would never understand that obsession. Yeah, like we because that is an obsession. It well, isn't that what the root of all racism really is? Well, there you go, and so it begins. Yeah, that <laughs> that that's that's an obsession with people because, and then we'll we'll jump back into politics in a second. But mm-hmm. I really need people to understand because I know a lot of people 
talk about or maybe some people that are um, unaware of how history really went or I would say out of touch because you have a lot of people that are just now learning about um, just all the things that black people have gone through post-slavery um, because all they really know is what they learn in textbooks. Mm -hmm. So Particularly McGraw-Hill. Right. <laughs> right. So like racism, the reason why I feel like it's, it's definitely rooted in obsession is if you give people freedom, right? you like, look, I'm not giving you no money. I'm not giving you no 40 acres and a mule, even though I said I'm going to give it to you. I'm not um, going to give you a job or anything to establish yourself or take care of yourself. You're just free. Like, it's like setting a dog off. I'm not giving a dog nothing, but the dog can go, right? And so then these slaves, or the ex I would say people who are now, who were enslaved that are now free, some of them stay, but you have some of them that go and build their own communities, like, ironically, Tulsa, where Black Wall Black Street Washington, was, yeah. um, along with some other cities. Rosewood. Um, Rosewood, I was just about to say. And these are all... Rosewood, you can literally... I know it's Hollywood, but you can watch a movie on that, for those of you that know nothing about uh, what happened at that time in history. But those are just one of the many examples where Black people have gone about their business because you said... Hey, we hate you. We don't want you here. And then when, when they build, when we build our own, I'm so obsessed with you or I'm so obsessed with how much I hate you that I'm going to come over to where you are and I'm going to destroy your town or I'm going to terrorize black people because I don't want you to have your own. If you don't want someone to have their own stuff or you don't want someone to have independence, then what we're seeing here is an obsession. And, you know, it's funny because I heard a quote um, in Justice League. Um, if those who don't know, um, in the Batman vs. Superman movie, spoiler alert, Superman dies. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope you guys didn't have a chance to see that. Spoiler alert. So, 2017, um, he comes back to life. Another spoiler alert. <laughs> so, when he comes back to life, Ironically, it's Batman who helps resurrect him with a mother box. Another spoiler alert. Um, just don't watch the movie. Just don't watch it. It's okay. <laughs> Shout out to DC. So, <laughs> Superman says to Batman, he says, you won't let me live, but you won't let me die. And essentially, that's kind of our story in this country. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about Marcus Garvey had a plan. He said, okay, you don't want us here, we'll go. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, he's going to prison for tax evasion. So the whole back to Africa movement, gone. Just like that. So, I'll, I have a whole lot of thoughts and things to say about it, but the only thing I can say is we can't just strive, and this is just my perspective. I respect people who protest. Um, that is a form of putting pressure on power, mm -hmm. holding people accountable, and getting the message spread. Um, but I think protesting is awesome. Continue to do it. Uh, legislative changes. Mm -hmm. um, eliminating qualified immunity in police departments. Um, if people are going to support defunding, um, then they have to make sure that it, it is going to different aspects of programs that will help disenfranchised groups right. in different communities. So yeah, I think it's important to be passionate, but it's very important to also be pragmatic in your approach. Right. Um, so Because defunding might work in some instances, but they may hurt in others. Especially yeah. for predominantly African-American uh, police departments, like in my city, 
who have been doing a great job and mm-hmm. continue to do so. So putting pressure on power is good, but equality is great. Justice is great. It's important. But I think equity is yeah. something that definitely needs to be talked about a lot more. Yeah. You know, because it's been equity that has gotten white people to the point for a lot of them as in terms of generational wealth mm-hmm. to get to where they are now. You know, because if we didn't get the 40 acres in a mule, who do you think got it? You know? Um, so I don't know if anybody knows that the reparations were paid to slave owners after slaves were freed. Mm. So I think it was like roughly $300, $200, I think, per slave that you had. So, yeah. But we are definitely going to really hit y'all up season two. So be prepared. Worry, 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 worry. <laughs> Bring your koofy hat. <laughs> Bring your incense. <laughs> Because we're going back to the motherland season two. Um, Big I'm shirts really welcome. <laughs> we welcome the tall tea tribe. <laughs> this is about black unity. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but we really need to understand not only our history here, but our history before here. Yes. I try to get out of the habit of saying um, that we come from slaves. We do not. We come from African people who are enslaved. Yep, yep. That's right. But um, before we close out this topic and move to the next one, I want to ask your opinion on what you think people should do now this election, which I'm just going to say, I feel like it's about to get real dirty between now and November. Mm-hmm. Um, not for, for, for us per se, but definitely politicians that are running. I hope that you have your porches swept. Because, <laughs> as you can see, it's definitely stuff busting out the seams. Like, people are just, a lot of stuff is coming out. So, um, what do you think, uh, what, what is your advice for people who are thinking of voting and not sure if they should vote, unsure of what direction they should go in? What do you think they need to do? Um, what steps should they take? What direction should they go in as far as research? Um, just from your point of view, because I think it's important, especially people our age um, and the like, or I, I would say black people, especially, like we can't allow ourselves to be pandered into a vote just because someone comes to a church and kisses a couple babies and goes to a couple community events that we should vote for them. So what is your, uh, what is your, what do you think? Uh, well, I first want to read something uh, that Angela Davis said um, about this election. She said, and I quote, neither party represents the future that we need in this country. Both parties remain connected to corporate capitalism. She also went on to say that we're going to have to translate some of the passion that has characterized these demonstrations into work within the electoral arena, recognizing that the electoral arena is not the best place for the expression of radical politics. Now, you know, my ad- advocacy is not for political radicalization um, because, and I write about this in my book, um, political extremism has really been a thing. You have like, mm-hmm. extreme forms of liberalism, um, you have extreme forms of far-right conservatism or whatever, um, but they're all masqueraded by their own agenda. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we particularly want to talk about uh, black issues or just people in general that are very um, on the fence about voting, the thing about Joe Biden is, is this. It's a quote that I heard from Batman. He said, if you, Harvey Dent said, if you don't die a hero, you'll live long enough to see yourself become a villain. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that if you look at anybody's record, you're always going to see some sort of polarization. And we could talk, of, we could dedicate a whole season to Joe Biden's track record mm-hmm. and, and, and pick it apart. But for the sake of now, I think that if you, I hate the whole debate of lesser two evils, but to Angela Davis's point, we can still maintain our interests, mm-hmm. you know, put pressure on power mm-hmm. and have some demands. Okay, this is what we want. If, you, if we're going to vote for you, this is what we hope for. But I would not recommend anybody to put all of their eggs into one basket in terms of looking for a political savior. Yeah, you know, because I don't think that exists. Because on one end, you're, you're going to get no compromise with one candidate. I'm not going to say who. Um, but in on the orange. Right. <laughs> 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 on um, wink wink <laughs> and another end you just have a candidate who has a track record of flip flopping so of course I'm going to go with the person where I can at least get a meeting with I can talk to and we can negotiate some things I may not walk away entirely happy but I won't walk away empty handed mm-hmm. so I think that for young people who may not feel so passionate or enthused just remember about one stay informed um, always stay informed about who you're voting for, not just when they get in office, but what policies and, and what type of platform that they're going to provide for, for someone that has your particular interests. Right. And I always, and I think this is important to, to point out, as I said, the black experience is not monolithic. At the same time, every black person doesn't, isn't poor, right. know, isn't impoverished, isn't um, in prison, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You have, and I hate to to label those classes, but you have a working class, you have a middle class, you yeah. have wealthy people, you have entrepreneurs, you know, you have freelancers, you have, uh, uh agriculturalists, you know what I mean. You have mm-hmm. people who are, black folks passionate <clears throat> about climate change, environment, LGBTQ uh, rights. So there's a big melting pot, but essentially sometimes we kind of all get put into this black issue need a white savior or slash politician type of argument. Mm-hmm. So I would say stay informed. Um, I would say stay involved in some capacity. The important thing, I can't stress this enough, Sam, is the local level. Mm-hmm. Vote locally because those are the people that are eventually going to make the decisions from the bottom up. And if you can't control anything else, you want to make sure that your township or city is safe and secure and they they reflect your interests because you have to live there and people have to remember that it was essentially the states that established the white house and the executive branch Mm. a lot of the government is essentially depicted from great britain um in terms of having a parliamentary style of government Mm -hmm. but when the states were established the 13 colonies you know they didn't want to have a monarchy but they wanted to have someone that could be a voice and an advocate for international relations, foreign and domestic, Mm -hmm. uh, for the United States. So that's where the executive branch comes in. But, as I said, knowing states' rights is important. I know in D.C. right now, I think the House of Representatives uh, just passed um, D.C.'s um, statehood. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, it has to go to another level, but that's huge because about 700,000 people are in Washington, D.C. They pay a lot of taxes. I think they're larger than about two states. Mm-hmm. And it's predominantly African-American. Mm-hmm. And they have about 30,000 veterans out of there. So uh, and understanding these little nuances and, and about representation and about engagement and about who you're voting for is important. So stay informed, stay involved. 
and understand that you're not always going to get what you want. Mm -hmm. But if you're taking care of home first, you'll always have what you need. Well, there you have it. I think that's good advice. Um, I think that's really good advice. And yeah, like researching candidates, especially when yes. the bigger the office, the more there's going to be both good and bad things that you find because politics is a dirty game no matter who you are. But it's important to at least know and then choose based off of what you know is going to work best for you, especially in your immediate environment. So, okay. By the way, um, if you do vote for Joe Biden, um, whether you do or you don't, you're still black. I just wanted to pick that up. You know, he said, that's why on my last episode, I made a request for him to be quiet. Please, man. If you want our votes, man, please. please just, just Joe Biden, I think he's forgetting that, sadly, often, I, was, I would say both sadly, but also a good thing at the same time. Because he was Barack Obama's vice president, off the rip, people, some people are willing to support him just off of that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all you had to do was just build... From that, you know, slow and steady. You just don't add, don't pander. Yes. I don't like when, when politicians pander. Don't pander. That's that's Hillary almost got me till she made that hot sauce comment. The hot sauce comment is what turned me completely off. Like for those that didn't listen to the last episode, I touched on an interview that Hillary Clinton did, and they asked her what is one thing that she has in her bag always. This is right around the time when Beyonce dropped. Uh, formation. We know the little part when she said at the beginning she has hot sauce in her bag. Well, anyway, when they asked Hillary what is something that she always has in her purse, she says, and I quote, hot sauce. <laughs> That's exactly how she said it. And I'm like, girl, you know damn well you don't have no hot sauce in your bag. But you know, I'll say that just because you want us to vote for you. Like, oh, she got hot sauce in her purse? Let me vote for Hillary. That's not how black people think, you guys. At least most of us. So, I did an episode a couple earlier in the season about dating with intention. And um, I think, I felt like it was good. And a lot of people that gave me feedback enjoyed it. But I think it would be even better having a male perspective on that. Okay. So, um, we're close to the same age. I think we're like a year apart. So, people that are in their late 20s, early 30s that are single. Mm-hmm. For the most part, dating is totally different at this age than it was when you were younger. What you, it's like you you know who you are more. You know what it is you want in a person more. Oh, well, hold on. Let me pause. You are single, right? Isn't I it? am. Yes, I okay, am. Okay, yes, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> so so when you when you're at this point. You are more, um, I won't say selective because it's not everyone, but like I said, like you have more of an idea of what it is that you want because you have uh, lived enough time. Mm -hmm. You've, I don't know, it depends on how single you've been. But for me, sidebar, I've been single for a while, like seven years. I don't really like telling people that, but because you know when I do, I either get a reaction of, oh, wow, I mean, that's good. But then most of the time I get a reaction like, why are you single? You're almost 30, you don't have any kids. But it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. So no, if you're listening, 
male or female, and you are at this age, you don't have any kids, or you're single, you might have a child or two, but you're mm-hmm. single, that's okay. Yeah, it's you, okay. You don't have to be married at this time. You don't have to be engaged. And don't do it just because people say you should or because you see people having someone. So for you, what is dating with intention? What does that mean for you as a black man approaching 30? I think intention, intentionality is everything. You know, I think that sometimes... You know, when you're younger, I always say, like, when I was in my younger 20s, it's more spontaneous. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you like me, I like you. You know, we hang out, we have fun, you know what I mean? We kick it. And then we just kind of see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And because it's like you don't want to put too much pressure on the situation as you're growing up or as you're like, are, are growing with this person. But you understand that, you know, you it could potentially lead to something. But when you get older... You know, you, you start figure, you start living a little bit. You start figuring out who you are and who do you see yourself becoming, which is very important. And not only before you even get to the relational aspect, you start aligning yourself, I would say, just spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And the things that don't serve you before, um, you start kind of letting those things go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the more you kind of align yourself on that path of, first of all, I feel like as a man, and I don't... I'm not trying to, you know, say that this is a one-size-shoe-fits-all kind of thing. But I think that you have to have some vision. You have to have foresight. You know, you can't lead a woman, per se, depending on what your traditional values are, if you don't know where you're going. Right. You know, so you have to know where you're going. You have to be adamant about who you're becoming as a person. You know, one thing I always admired about uh, late John Slade, who's the founder of Opportunity, one thing he always said was, he said, he said, I'm a serious black man. You know, he was serious about his life. He wrote books. He served in the military. Um, he had his own radio station. I mean, he was just a bad man. You know what I'm saying? He was just a, a very, very solid brother in addition to forming a fraternity during the civil rights movement. So having yourself, having a sense of seriousness about yourself will... I think in turn attract somebody that is in turn serious about themselves. You know, like mm-hmm. intention is everything. If you know that you want to get married someday, then of course the desire would be that. You know, I just think that this day and age is just different. You know, mm-hmm. it's just something different in the air about dating, where it's more about what what can this person do for me now, mm-hmm. or what can we have now? Because Instagram says that I gotta have a house now, I gotta have a car now, I gotta have kids now. So the guy, you know, I can't really speak for how the woman feels, but, you know, for, for some people, it's like if you don't make a certain amount of money at this point, then you can't take care of me or we can't be together. You know, it, it's crazy. You yeah. know what I mean? But some people have these, I don't want to call them outrageous, but they have these very interesting type of demands. But if you don't have the right intention of, okay, I do want to court her. Mm-hmm. I want to court her. I want to get to know her first because... Getting to know somebody is important. Like I always say, you don't know somebody until you know somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's good to know the good, touchy-feely part about people. You know, soft and happy and happy, joy, whatever. But to know, okay, how are they when they get mad? Mm-hmm. You know, how are they when they disagree? What's their relationship like with their family? And that's a big one, honestly. Word, you know what I'm saying? So I think those little <clears throat> things play a factor. But I feel like, and the last part I was going to say is, when you're intentional... Even if it doesn't work, you can still walk away from the situation saying, well, you know what? I had the right 
mindset. I had the right intention on what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I had no intention to try to hurt her. I had no intention of trying to um, exploit her or treat her bad. But it didn't work. And that's okay. You know? Right. You, sometimes you, it doesn't work. But if your intention is right, it'll just lead you into the next step to meet the right person. I agree. Okay. Well, I mean, that's true. I agree with all that. I feel the same way from a woman's perspective. Like, you do have a lot of, you have a lot of unrealistic demands out there, mostly due to social media. Mm-hmm. People, if not the financial aspect, mm-hmm. or let's say it's a woman, sometimes it's men, people mm-hmm. in general, they feel like, you know, that person's supposed to do everything for them. That mm-hmm. person is supposed to... And don't get me wrong, like, I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like I don't have a few things I would like. <laughs> you know, I definitely will Wait, want... are you single? <clears throat> yes, I'm single. She's single, guys. <laughs> and she has her own podcast. <laughs> and it's popping. Get with her. <laughs> so... At Pretty Classy on IG. So... <laughs> Man, I lost my spot. All right, cool. So, <laughs> see, we play like this all the time, y'all. Sorry. Anyway, so yeah, you have people that either they're unrealistic and they want they want someone to do everything for them. And I don't want anyone to. I don't want a man to do everything for me. Mm-hmm. You know me personally. You know that's not how I get down. But you you do want someone that you want a man that's responsible enough to hold things down Anymore. as. I feel like all adults should, but I just feel like, like you were saying, like if if a man doesn't know where he's going, he can't lead. So it's like, well, if if you know where you're going, you're leading, then you shouldn't be asked, expecting me to take care of you, nor should you expect me to work super hard to help you. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about marrying me. Now, some women, they're cool with that. Some women, they're cool with taking care of everything. Some women, they're cool with splitting everything down the middle. Some women, they're cool with... Um, I don't know, whatever, whatever type of arrangements they have. But for me, I would say I'm a little bit more old-fashioned, but I have my own dreams and ambitions and things that I want to do mm-hmm. to where eventually, I I mean, I don't know. I got it. You got it, I got it, whatever. But, you know, I'm not, I, I, I would want someone that could support me as I go down that journey if that makes sense without it sounding like I need a sugar daddy because I don't. I'm <laughs> not asking for a sugar daddy. Nor am I asking for a man to take care of everything and give me an allowance like some girls. I don't want that. I, well, I think it's funny just sitting here hearing me explain, hearing you explain. It's like it sounds so simple in theory, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody that can love you, care for you, um, all those good things, but why is it so difficult? I think that's the question everybody else is trying to solve. Like I have friends who are in their thirties, and they're like, "Yo, I go on dates, you know, I meet different people, and it'll be going well for the first couple of months, and then all of a sudden they'll just fall off." You know what I think? I think sometimes options can be the problem. You know, I used to always say variety is the spice of life, mm-hmm. but now it seems that variety is kind of the enemy of choice. Yeah. You know, there's such an oversaturization in everything, in, mm-hmm. in merchandising and entertainment, um, and dating. 
Right. You know? It's kind of like... Some people look for dates the way they look for clothes. Yeah. It's like, oh, she looks like this and she has that. Um, I really think social media changed the game, though. Yeah, I would agree. It changed the game. I think it changed the game heavy. And I think some, to some degree... You know, like the saying goes, comparison is the thief of all joy. So mm-hmm. I think that some people say like, okay, well, oh, I have this person and it's great. But as soon as something goes wrong, oh, this person be liking my pictures. Or oh, this person um, has this. You know what I mean? So it, yeah. it, it, it takes you down this very, very negative downward spiral um, because people don't realize that that's just social media. That's not exactly. real life. Which brings me to something that I I really can't stand, speaking of social media and dating. Mm-hmm. Relationship goals, hashtag relationship goals, hashtag couple goals. It's one of the most annoying things in the world. And the reason why I say that is because, yeah, like, of course you have some couples that you see and, and they set a, a good example as far as what you can physically see. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's good things. Like, you might know of a couple that that treat each other really well and you know they're genuinely happy with one another. That's fine to 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 set that as a goal, something that you will want in your relationship. Or if you have a couple that you see they have a lot of fun together, mm-hmm. they travel together, that's a great goal to have. But I think that we get a little bit too detailed when it comes to couple goals based off of what we saw someone post or based off of, um, you know, seeing, like, for example... It's a fact. I don't care who gets mad, but it's a lot of guys and I mean girls and the like, all of them. Someone will post and they'll they'll say the sweetest things about their significant other. They'll write a long ass dissertation on how that person is just the best thing ever. And they'll post pictures of them together and videos of them together and they look so in love with that person and they trash off social media. This person is straight up. <laughs> Those people will slide in your DM. Those people will swipe right on Tinder. Those people will be out in the streets like they don't have nobody yet on social media. They're portraying something different. So you as a single person will see somebody, will see that post on social media, and then that will make you you know, want to jump into something or that will make you start to compare something that you may have that's actually good. It's funny you say that. I had a question about that. Now, don't shoot the messenger, listeners, um, <laughs> especially ladies listening. <laughs> I heard somebody say something. They said that a lot of times in terms of competition, it's not so much about impressing the man as it is about basically making other females jealous or it's something about like some silent competition or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if, her, if your friend has a baby, oh, I want to have a baby now. Or I want <laughs> to, she, she just got engaged. I'm going to get engaged to this guy, even though I don't think he's the right person. You think yeah. there's some merit to that? Yeah, that's true. I'm going to tell you, I almost, I almost got sucked up into that. So in my last relationship, which was seven years ago, I think he's a great person. I'm not saying anything bad about him at all. But I, I feel like, on top of us being young, and Twitter and Instagram was just, like, freshly popping around that time when yeah, he and I got yeah. together. So, it's like, I feel like a lot of what I was seeing on social media had a lot to do with what I was expecting in my relationship with him. I do feel like, you now we were both young, and yeah, some stuff was, was done that wasn't cool. But it's like, 
two 19, 20-year-olds in a relationship, we're going to act like 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah. I had my nose wide open like most girls do when they first fall in love. And he was just being a, a 19, 20-year-old guy. Like, you know. So I, I can't say anything bad about that. But I can say that I feel like I would have been much happier if I wouldn't have compared what I was seeing. I also was... How can I put this? I was more radical in church. I feel like I'm still radical, but I was more sanctified then. So, you know, when you're young, in your early 20s, and you like dating, the goal is marriage. Like, they're trying to push you to get married. So, you know, a lot of the, and that's like, I guess, another subject for another podcast episode. A lot of these young girls in church, you know, they posting their husbands or their fiancés. And so that's making me feel like, oh, that's what I want, you know, like, that's that's how it should be for me. But really, honestly, a lot of those people aren't, either they're not married now or it turns out that they weren't that happy. Mm. But people post on social media in this kind of silent competition on, you know, oh, my boyfriend or my husband or oh, my wife, my girlfriend. And it's like, either that's not really the case and they're being trifling or... They're making it to be more than what it really is to compete with someone else. Word. It's like that saying, um, a beautiful funeral does not guarantee heaven. And I think it's the same thing with relationships. Um, you see an oversaturation of it. You know, I think everybody kind of has like that keep it up, keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing. Yeah. And I think especially because I think around that time I was also in, and I think I, I told you about it. I was in a relationship around 2000, you know, whatever. <laughs> Weird. I'm trying to not trying to blow nobody up. Um, but, you know, during that time, you know, as well. And when I look back at, you know, different time frames of, of different relationships, they serve you for certain periods and, um, there's always reciprocity in that and you learn and you grow. I think that some people, and I'm not saying this about anybody I've dated, I'm just saying like generally speaking, a lot of people are enticed by the sprint, but they don't yeah. look or think about the marathon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, and I think a lot of times for men especially, monogamy is not really talked about. Um, and the fact that it's the same woman, but you know you can fall in love with different versions of her. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You both will grow up together. You know, if you, if y'all had a startup little business together, or y'all, you know, met in college, you know, you're going to see her growing and blossom to grown woman. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? When she goes into her career, or then when she has, you guys have children, or adopt, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you'll see different versions of it. But I think that for some people, they don't quite see it in that way. And I think that, to be honest, and I, and I would say this has happened to me at some point in my life, I've kind of lost hope you know oh same yeah yeah you're not alone on that one yeah. oh trust me yeah you know, everybody loses hope you know what i mean the times we're living in yeah. <laughs> yeah losing you know we all kind of lose hope but yeah i'll be honest with you this is just full transparency exclusive um drop on a cool box please <laughs> um I would have never imagined that at this age I would be single. No, same. Same. Like, I I, <laughs> I had, like, a goal. I was like, okay, I'm going to be married at least by 25. 25 is pushing it, but I'll be married by then. And then I'm going to, you know, start my family before I approach 30 because I don't want to have kids at all. And what do you know? 
<laughs> you know, low key, I was cracking up um, because I'm not disclosing where you live, of course, but when I was driving down um, a couple blocks, I'm like, yo, this looks kind of familiar. And then when I got when I got like psyching close, I was like, no way. I'm like, yo, she literally lives right around a corner where somebody has a date. So I was like, oh wow, this is like mad, like nostalgic, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I think these experiences, <laughs> you should see your face right now. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, nah, you know, I'm thinking all hard, like, uh, battlefield ain't that big. Ooh, <laughs> <that>. <laughs> My bad. Okay. That's a natural black response. Or like, you might be like, yeah, you're like, ooh, that could have been, but no. Nah. Right, but so, you know, it, it, you always, and I think that's another thing too, we were uh, discussing um, a topic of, of self healing, which I think works in conjunction with dating. I think sometimes, like I always ask some of my friends, like, we always love somebody that you dated. Like, I feel like we all date different people, have different experiences. But those are always some person you have love for in mm-hmm. some capacity. You may not ever be with them. You never may, ever, may never even talk to them again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I think it's important to acknowledge, especially as men, your feelings about things. Because I know I've always been one of those type of people. Like, for me, when it's done, it's done. Mm-hmm. But I learned that, especially if you get older, you get a little bit more sensitive when you got nieces and nephews. Yeah. And, you know what I'm saying? Like you, your heart kind of gets a little bit softer, and you start thinking about things a little bit more. Not necessarily in terms of regret, but you look like, all right, man, maybe I could have did that a little differently. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I could have moved a little differently. Maybe I could have been a little bit more open. You yeah. Know? You know, it's not necessarily, as I said, a regret, but mm-hmm. I think that the key. It's not always bad to 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 look back. Um, at least learn the lessons that you need to learn so you don't bring more bad habits or even toxicity yeah. um, into another situation. You know, so I think that that grace period of being single and focusing on yourself, whatever that is, whether you're in your early 20s, mid or early 30s, even 40s and beyond, like, it's good. You know, singleness is, a, is absolutely a blessing and not a curse, in my opinion. I realize that now after being single for a century, that I... a century. <laughs> she said, I've been single about four score, eight years. <laughs> Literally, that's how I feel when somebody asks me, like, well, how long have you been single? Oh, it's been 84 years. <laughs> but no, like, I, I started realizing that, like, that's the crazy part about how the pandemic has been a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. Or I wouldn't say a curse. I take that back. It has been both neither good or bad, but necessary. Absolutely. And I say that because one of the many things that I, you know, I kept myself, I've always kept myself really busy and um, kind of being forced to not necessarily just stay home, but it's like there's not many places that you can go where you would typically get your mind off of stuff like this. And so I was kind of forced to really sit there and, and think about, have I really grown? Have I really come a long way? And I used to, I would say like the first few years of being single, I kept myself busy. So I wouldn't think about how I felt lonely or how I felt like I wanted to be with someone. I was missing, you know, like that second half or whatever. But as I approach 30 and I get into seven years, which, you know, <clears throat> if you want to get into biblical or numerology terms, yes. Seven is the number of completion. So coming into seven years of being single, I have really realized a lot about myself. 
And I really started thinking about like how I really actually am so intentional about what it is that I want in a man or want in a relationship that I'm not willing to just deal with people to just entertain me a pastime anymore. Yeah, yeah. Or that Mr. Right Now until Mr. Right gets here. Mm-hmm. I have no desire for that now because I feel and I know how valuable my energy is. And I also feel like if you entertain someone that you know is not up to par or doesn't meet your standards, not unrealistic standards, but if you entertain someone that doesn't um, match your energy, actually care about your well-being, actually care about getting to know you, mm-hmm. not just attracted to you. But, you know, they, they're actually doing all the things that let you know that they want something serious. They want something with some potential. Then don't give them any of your energy at all. Mm-hmm. So I really had to learn that lesson or realize that I had learned that lesson coming into the seventh year of being single because... People that I would normally entertain, I don't entertain them anymore. Same, same. Even if I'm bored as hell. And I was having this conversation with someone, um, a female family member, the other day. We all are humans. We all have needs. Yep, yep. And, you know, you just got to figure something out. Because because you can't, if you're going to date intentionally, you can't just give anybody your time, energy, or your body. Yeah. You got to really be selective because when you do that, you are showing yourself, you're showing those people that come into your life, you're showing God, I don't know what you believe in, but you're showing the universe, whoever, you're showing God that you are matching, you're matching that energy of what it is you say you want. So when these people come around me and they're not lining up with how I know I deserve to be treated and how I... I know I want to feel, then I don't want nothing to do with them. I never thought I would be at that point at at this age, honestly. I did not think that. I I would rather go to the gym and go home. I would rather find a good book or a good movie. I would rather go take myself out and go get some food and come home than to entertain someone that I know isn't worth it. That's dope. So, yeah, like, you gotta... I mean, a lot of people are afraid of being single. Yeah. But they don't... That's real. I just got to that point myself. Um, I just got to the same place. And I think that's... I'm I'm glad that you said that because I only think that's talked about enough. Because I feel like guys, we do it too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I've realized that it's better to, I guess, go in the same circle than to go around the same mountain. Right. You know, and I think that there have been many of times when I've just kind of gone around the same mountain over and over again. And I'm, and you know when you're tired of something, you ask yourself, like, yeah, why do you keep doing this? Like, <laughs> yes. And I mean, like, why, why do you keep doing this? You know you don't like this person. I've had that conversation with myself a couple of times. Yeah, like, you know this is not the right situation or person. And it's not fair to you or them, you know? So I feel like it's a matter of kind of coming to an end of yourself. And I think as a man especially, we do deal with loneliness. Um, like you said, we do all have needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes I realized for myself, it, was, it wasn't just boredom. It was, you know, I felt lonely. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that was a, a weird thing for me to accept. But like you said, you get to a place where it's like, look, I'd rather be lonely alone than, you know, 
laid up with you know with somebody that I just know I just didn't like. Exactly. Want to be with, and then you know you deal with the regret and all of that. Maybe like, why did I just spend time with this person? Like, you know. So, yeah, I just think that's important. So, so with for men that are single now, what would be your advice um, for them to date with intention? What do you think? Ooh, that's a tough one. Well, I guess, I guess the question. Or what has worked for you? Nothing's been working for you. <laughs> hey, listen. Take everything I say for a grain of salt. No. I think... Okay, no. Because I think a lot of what you said was good. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I ain't flip-flopping, but no, I am. But I think the, the best piece of advice I would say is always have your house in order before you invite somebody over. You know, make sure you take care of yourself. Uh, take care of your finances, get your credit straight, you know what I'm saying? Do all of those things that matter. And make sure you take care of internal things too, you know, any un you know, any trauma or any, you know, experiences of, of, of numbness or pain, like mentally, emotionally, psychologically, it's good to deal with those things. Um, reconciliation, you know, build bridges of reconciliation when you can with people. Um Remember that it's not two halves that make a hole in a relationship, but two holes that make, you know, a bigger hole. Yes. So, you know, do that. Be yourself. Don't try to conform. And I think this is for ladies, too. You know, don't try to become a version of yourself that will appease the person because eventually you'll be found out about it. And you, it'll just be a downward spiral of just another bad situation if you don't. Agree, definitely that. Please don't be um, a version of 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 what you feel, because you know you meet somebody, you really like them, you mm-hmm. vibe with them, and you know I know I have. I don't know about anybody else, but I know it's been times in the past where I've been dating someone or or, or entertaining someone, and I was not being my full self. I wasn't being who I really am. I was being a version of me that they were attracted to or that they liked. And I got, that's exhausting. Just don't do that. Male or female, doesn't matter who you are. Don't ever try to conform to something uh, or to an image that would make another person happy because like you just said, they're gonna find out. Yeah, appeasement is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Like It's better for them to, you know that the love is real when that person knows who you are and you know who they are. If if you find out later you just you're not you're not gonna like that very much. And that person may I mean or you may get exhausted from, from playing a part, you know. There are people that have been married for twenty, thirty years, forty years and probably just now really getting to know who they're married to, especially with what's happened this year. Cause you can't leave the house. So <laughs> <laughs> now you you're forced to realize that your coronavirus partner is not the person that you thought. <laughs> so, yeah, that, doesn't that suck? It has to. Like, I know um, I will protect identities, but a person that I'm, I know was telling me that their quarantine partner is the worst. But, you know, they didn't really realize just how annoying that person was until they, you know, you, you can't go to work, you can't do the normal things that you would go and do, so, and it's like, you're like, who wants to even do that? Let me ask you this, too, before we segue into the next thing. 
What are your thoughts on living together before you get married? Well, me personally, I wouldn't do it. Have I? I've had my own place when I've dated, mm-hmm. um, but I would say, I would say, nah. You know, I think in this generation, and this isn't me trying to freaking evangelize the whole world when I say this, um, but. I think there's some things you want to make it more interesting. You know, you want to take time, establish yourself first, mm-hmm. you know, establish habits of neatness, of organization mm-hmm. to the best of your ability because, guys, we can be sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't feel like it's one of those things. I always hear people say you should, you know, test drive the car before you buy it and stuff like that. Like, nah, you know what I mean? Because you should just take your time. Take your time with the person. Get to know them. Like, I feel like the, the problem with, with, I'm not saying generally speaking, I don't want to speak for everybody, but just as a general uh, thing I've noticed, when you move too fast, you get too wrapped up into the person. You see this person every single day, and if you're exclusively committed to this person, great, right? But if you're not exclusively, like if you guys are just dating, you still have other avenues and this is why it's so important to be to have other things to do and I feel like I've heard this from married couples like when they move in together like some of them one spouse is forcing the other one to get a hobby forcing them to, to do something get out the house go have fun or, or do something but when you have those that type of structure more importantly when you're single versus when you're living with somebody or cohabitating or whatever then I mean it, it becomes a lot more stressful you know, yeah. and I think that that desire perhaps to get married may not be as admirable or as interesting as it initially would have been. You know, you want to have something to hope for. Like, oh, we got our first house together. Or we, we moved into our first apartment together. And we were married when we did it versus like when you date. Because think about it. I always say that the habits that you have now, like I said, it's better to go in the same circle than to go around the same mountain. Mm-hmm. Because if you go all in so fast with somebody, then eventually what happens when this don't work out? You're going to live with yeah. the next person, and then the next person, and the next person. I mean, what what's the worst thing you'll find out about somebody when you live with them? Oh, they're junkie. Well, you could have found that out if you would have went to their apartment when you were with them. Right. You know? So, I don't know. That's just my view. I would rather wait. Okay. How about you? For me, I would want. I just would want to know. I would want like I would say some trial runs. Like I definitely think staying with each other for a couple of days at a time, taking trips together. Yeah, those okay. um, are really good ways to get an idea of how someone will be um, if you decide to marry them and move in together and live together. I feel like if you pay attention, and again, if you if you spend the night with each other, if you go to that person's apartment and vice versa, they can they can see how you live. You can see how they live. And another thing is also like you were saying earlier, like how how are they with their family? How does their family keep the house? Um, <laughs> one of my guy friends was telling me about how he got married early in his early twenties. Same reason. You know, if you're in church, you know, they're going to push you to get married early. As they say, saints don't date. <laughs> Y'all need to stop pushing that toxic shit. <laughs> but anyway, 
he said they got married and you know he's you know, things was cool before that but he said that the thing that he regretted is that he wished he would have known how she would be in the house once they once they lived together so basically in short he was saying you know, she didn't clean up and she didn't really cook like that and you know i know those are not the only things that uh, a wife should do and he wasn't saying it in that mm-hmm. way but what he was saying is that you know i realized so much about her once we got married and we moved in together that so, with everybody. yeah like but you know if you don't if you don't if you've never really stayed with each other for days at a time or anything like that, then you're not going to really know if you've only seen each other when you're out, you know what I mean? Or, you know, on occasion. You know, the question is that's an interesting perspective. I'm glad you shared it. The thing I always, I realized this a long time ago, and I think this might be one thing, great thing, in addition to amongst, amongst a lot of other things that I've learned being single, is, yes, to two people together you know under one roof is great but i realized that like i said it's that self-inventory like when you get to that place of contentment where you're happy with who you are and who you're becoming it took me a while to get there and i feel like i'm finally there um still a work in progress but i'm, I'm, I'm there mm-hmm. but when you get to that place um two things i think you have an idea of who you're, you want to become and then you also have an idea of who you want around you. And it's not about you making this person become a version that is appealing to you. Because like we said earlier, if you do it to appease people, it's just going to fall short. Right. Um, but I also think that there is some some bargaining. You know what I mean? There has to be some type of common ground where it's like, all right, well, you don't like to cook. You don't like to clean. Now... That's why I think I always say questions give clarification. Right. So when we start dating, and if you know you want to marry this person, you got to ask yourself all the questions. You got to always say you got to look at a worst case scenario, um, and then you also look at a best case scenario. You look at what you like versus what you don't like. Like, can you cook? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I kind of cook. I cook sometimes. Okay. Is that something that you're open to learning more about? Right. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. Okay. I cook. So, if if you don't cook, then uh, I'm gonna cook. I mean, preferably, I would not want to burn the house down. So, <laughs> I would hope that you know she would just say, "No, go ahead and cook." You're right. Know, but that's like friendly persuasion. You know what I mean? You can yeah. find a common ground with that. But I do think that that is important. You know, spending time with somebody around. But it depends on a person. Like for some people, like I said, they're so caught up in that honeymoon stage and all of that. And then once they get together. Yo, this person is a. I hate them. <laughs> that's that's what I don't want personally. And my advice would be like, um, like, like, ask the questions. If you got to this point, this isn't regular. Like, if to put it like this, if the person doesn't want to talk about or ask questions like that, then that's not the person that you need to date. That's the person you need to just kind of keep it cute and simple with because that person isn't really looking that far ahead. But if you are dealing with someone that is expressing the same sentiments of wanting to build something that is long-lasting, then mm-hmm. it's important to ask questions like that. Um, so I would encourage people to come up with a list of things that they know. First, get to know yourself, okay? Because coming up with a long list of things that you need to ask someone when you start dating them, 
And don't bombard this person with 60 questions. Mm-hmm. I know this one girl, she sent like a long essay text message to this guy that she was dating. <laughs> Sorry, girl. <laughs> I'm not going to say your name. But but it's just an example, like. But I told her personally, like, listen, don't 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 bombard him, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't give him too much. But it's a, but it's good that you're you're communicating, you know, like you're making it clear what you expect. But anyway, come up with in your spare time like a list of things that matter to you, so that you know what questions to ask when you have conversations and when you spend time with them, so that those things will kind of let you know. And if a person is lying when they give you an answer, you'll know. Don't focus on all that. And the one thing I was going to just chime in and say, and I wholeheartedly agree with you with that, is just meet the person halfway. Like, if it's something that you could, like, and I kind of explained on that earlier, but if if they can't cook, get a cookbook for them. Yeah, yeah. You know? Interest. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they're not, if, they're, if physical fitness is a challenge for them and you love them, work out with them. Yeah. You know I what agree. I mean? Those things matter. Look, I did it. Listen, I did a girl. Um, and cooking wasn't really her strong suit. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you she could cook the hell out of some steakums, <laughs> man, I mean, those were the best things I've ever had in my life. And that was it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like meet people where they're at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's good advice. See, ladies, he's even willing to compromise with you. <laughs> If you're listening, <laughs> my number is <laughs> five five five. Hit it. <laughs> so so yeah, like that's. I think that was a, that was that was good. These are really good points, guys. So if you're just you know you're just having fun, then of course this doesn't apply to you, but it can apply to you in the future when you're ready for something serious. And if you are looking for something serious or something with more substance. Then I really feel like whether you're looking at the male view or the female view, which I feel like a lot of what we said was kind of the same. Word, word. So I feel like a person that's dating with intention, it doesn't matter which gender it is. And, and another part that I thought about, I think that's why the friendship component is so overlooked, but it's so important. Because a lot of times we look at dating somebody as such a romantic type of gesture when it's like, nah, let me... Let's be friends. Let me get to know you. Let me yeah. understand this person's character. Because I've had female friends that would tell me things that they would never tell a man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure, guys, we do the same thing with our female friends. And it's like, I get it. There's some things that you may may not want to say. But I think that if you really have intention, once again, to be with this person for the rest of your life, you should be open and transparent about that. You should definitely be friends with them. Like we were saying, you don't want to find out that you hate that person when you get serious with them or when you marry them. That is something that was never on my list before when I initially was single. That is at the top of my list now that I'm approaching 30 and single. If we're not friends, if we can't have a conversation, if we can't joke... Okay, you know me personally, and those people that know me, y'all know I play entirely too much. So I just wanted to add this as a caveat that Sam's uh, roasting energy is her roasting chakra is unbelievable. <laughs> that was Loki at roast too, but yeah, bro, she's one of the funniest young women I've ever met in my life. So, fellas, if you're gonna date her, 
you better have some very thick skin. <laughs> no. She is going to 4th of July barbecue. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. Like, about, I've always felt like I wasn't that funny because, you know, I always felt like I was kind of nerdy and corny. But, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> there, was, there was a few times I had to look at my phone like, man. That's how you feel, Sam? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm in a group chat with, with all guys, and they, I, too, have had to have thick skin. But, you know, it's good, healthy roasting. You know, don't try this at home. Right, don't try this at home. <laughs> but I want someone that is that that I can be silly with. And that's one of the first things. Like, if you don't think I'm funny, or if you're not funny, or if you, we can't joke, you know, like, if you think I play too much, you know, that's one of the main things that would turn me off about a guy. Like, if you just like, okay, like, that was stupid. That wasn't funny. It's just like, okay. Like, huh? Actually, you're not funny. But <laughs> Also, shout out to Mozzie. Shout out to Lindsay. Shout out to my boy Ryan. <laughs> Tor. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> now, a word from our sponsor. Tor, 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 Tor. <laughs> Alright, I'm done. <laughs> I lost my place. Oh yeah. But yeah, if they can't take your humor then yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you can't if, if if you can't be friends, if you can't joke with each other, if you can't have fun, I just would want the person that I date to be my best friend. Word. Now I know you I also like space. So I'm not saying I need someone that's going to be on my shoulder like a pet monkey the entire day, but you know, you want someone that you, you know, you can't wait to tell them about your day. You can't wait to play around and joke with them. If you're talking about a trip, you're not like, dang, I don't want them to go because they're going to ruin it because they're boring. No, you want, I want someone that I can have a lot of fun with. I, I even would want someone that we can just go to like a bar or a concert, you know, somewhere fun and it's a blast. Yeah, That's word. important. But word. I didn't think that way at first. You could be like one of my boys that always goes to a broccoli festival. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say who. <laughs> he probably go hear this and be like, I'm I'm going to roast him when I see him. Bring <laughs> it. <laughs> but you, but you, you want to be friends with, with the person you choose. So if you're dealing with somebody and you guys are not friends, like it's only romantic and boring or it's not romantic at all. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have any common ground, you're supposed to be different, right? You're supposed to balance each other out. You're not supposed to have the exact same ideas, the exact same interests. But you should at least, I would say, complement each other or balance each other out. And you should um, you should be friends. You know, you should be friends. You should be able to express how you're feeling, especially in these times. If you don't feel like the person that you're dealing with is your friend if you don't feel like the person you're dealing with is someone that you can trust with the innermost things then i don't know i don't know about that one um but yeah that's important so um in closing the last thing that we wanted to talk about and touch on is self-healing um what is self-healing to you when you think about self-healing what do you think about uh I would say vulnerability first. Um, not at the top of my list, uh, but I would say vulnerability. Uh, coming to the end of yourself. You know, I think a lot of times I've kind of allowed this 
idea of just being so ambitious because we live in a society it's just like hustle 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 mm-hmm. hustle hustle but you know you have rest and you have recovery mm-hmm. um, but I think that in particular I think as I said earlier to identify where things hurt you or where things cause some type of self-reflection um, into certain situations or circumstances in your life that may have perhaps have been traumatic or mm-hmm. may perhaps been have something that caused you to take a deeper look at yourself because I think in society that's why I'm so glad that in the black community we talk more about mental health and yes. stuff like that you know you I know in particular especially everything that's been going on with the with the, with the protests and whatnot um you know one thing that I felt like I was experiencing was just compassion fatigue you know I was just so emotionally and mentally drained because I was so hurt Same. from experiencing this over and over again and, and to some degree feeling a sense of helplessness and all the while the pandemic is happening um, and, and then you know a relative that was very close to me passed away so you know all of the all of these things kind of happening at once can sometimes create this explosion um, but now that I'm at an age where you know, I can take time to reflect and I can take time to myself, mm-hmm. you know, going for a drive, you know what I mean? Definitely that. Talking to friends and, and family, you know, praying and, and really centering myself um, to get back to who I am. Because I think sometimes, when, especially when you get so numb to certain things, you, you, you get going to a downward spiral, you don't even realize it, you know? You, you mm-hmm. don't realize that, hey, I don't feel like getting out of bed today. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't realize that I'm, I'm, I feel tired. I feel a little anxious or, you know, maybe this is kind of causing me to feel a mild sense of depression. You yeah. Know what I mean? Like those are real things. Those are real feelings. And I think that especially in, in the day of age that we are living in now with, with mental health, it's important to, to realize when things hurt you. You know, like I said earlier, asking yourself questions, give you a sense of clarification. So ask yourself sometimes, like, well, why does that make me mad? Why did yeah. that make me mad? Or mm-hmm. what was it about that circumstance or that situation that hurt you? I know about November when you and uh, Lindsay had came up to Jersey. Shout out to Lindsay again. Um, <laughs> I was going to cook him, but we'll wait. <laughs> um, that'll be another podcast, right? <laughs> um, I, I remember we, I had a long discussion uh, with you in the car about circumstance that I was dealing with mm-hmm. and you know it, it came and went um but the old me would have never talked about it yeah you know gross. it would I would have never talked about it I was like man whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean I can't tell me man whatever's I've done in my life mm-hmm. but the moment that I was able to first recognize that I was feeling some kind of way mm-hmm. and also able to recognize that perhaps I'm going in an emotional direction that can I don't want to say so much toxic, but I'm going in a direction where I feel like I'm going to be losing a piece of myself that I can't get back. Yeah. So centering yourself is something that I think centering myself, I should say, is something that really helped me heal. Uh, to recognize that I that I felt these feelings about certain things or about certain people that may have hurt me or I may have hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, have really helped me get to a place where I'm at now. Where I'm, I'm I'm happy. So what do you what so I know you mentioned like taking a drive and things like that like 
Besides that, what are some things that you've done on your journey of healing that have been helpful that you feel like someone else could apply now? Self-care. It's my favorite. Yep. Going to the gym. Um, I like to play video games sometimes. Um, that's pretty cool. Spend time with friends, family. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, this might sound crazy to say, but having a dog has like... Okay, I kind of want a dog. <laughs> like my mom tells me if you convince my dog's ESA dog. But it, that has allowed me to become that, you know, and also with family and with my you know nieces and niece and nephews or whatever, has made me become much more of an empath than I probably have ever been or could have mm-hmm. imagined being... Um, because you're, when you're young, you become so hardened by your by your environment and by certain circumstances. Um, so you always want to be strong. Mm-hmm. But you realize that you know being emotional is not a weakness. Right. It's a strength. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So indulge in self care. Sometimes, like you said, you know, treat yourself. You know, go take yourself out to eat. Um, go for a nice drive. Visit some friends, like I'm doing this week. Seeing mm-hmm. you and seeing my my, my best friend. Um, Try to get rest. Um, I recently started journaling. Um, Yay! That's a, that's a cool type yes. of thing to do. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of things out there that you can do to take care of yourself. And most importantly, I have to say prayer has been the most powerful thing. Definitely. Application of that is, is essential. Um, because you know God can reach parts of your life and your heart that other people can't. Mm-hmm. So that has definitely helped me become the, the young man that I am. And all of those things as a whole help you have helped me get on my feet and to, to be strong and to go forward because community is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not made to, we are social creatures. We're not made to do this life alone. Right. So talk to people, um, go for a walk, drink some healthy tea. Uh, <laughs> Um, tea is, tea is great, by the way. Um, drink some tea, talk to people, make yourself laugh, you know, do, just do the things that you enjoy. Like I was telling a relative of mine a couple of years ago, you know, I said, we owe it to ourselves to create for ourselves a beautiful life, right. whatever that looks like. You know, life itself is an abstraction, you know, there's circumstances that happen and we don't understand, but it can still create a beautiful picture Um, that we can look back and reflect on and say, I'm glad that I went through those things. I'm glad that I'm the person that I am today and I wouldn't regret anything. That was fire, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I think that's important. Self-care is really a huge one and journaling is, is, is a really good one. So I'm really glad that you started doing that. Journaling, like, I mean, the more you do it, the more I know you'll see more positive changes mm-hmm. and both externally and internally. Um, journaling is like super important. I guess a lot of times we, especially those of us that are ambitious, we might associate journaling with just writing down our goals and things that we want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And that's easy to do, but I find I found myself not doing that as much as of late because I already have it etched in my mind. In my sleep, I know exactly what I want to achieve. But when am I going to focus on what I want, like the innermost things? When am I going to focus on how I feel uh, emotionally, things that I need to let go so that I can receive the things that I want? Yeah, so that's right. That's, a, that's a, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's extremely important. Um, of 
knowing what to hold on to versus what to what to let go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another like thing, my, my cousin mentioned this earlier when her and I were on FaceTime. She was saying that she and we're actually gonna do an episode in the future, um, in more like so we could get into that in more detail. But mm-hmm. she was saying that um one of the things that she did was um write things on a balloon and release it. Mm, things you want to let go of and I'm sensitive so when she was I was talking to her about a situation that happened um about a year ago basically I I just now realized this year that what I was going through was a grief over a friendship ending Mm, and um I don't have anything really horrible to say because now I feel like I really am starting to heal but basically in short you know it's it's it was time for its end and it was heartbreaking because of the manner in which it happened there was no drama or anything Mm -hmm. but you know I basically had had a dream and I take my dream serious and there were some other things that that I had noticed but I just never really you know when you when you love a person doesn't matter if it's in a relationship or a family member or a friendship but when you love someone and you love people you don't you'll overlook the things that you really should be paying attention to or, you know, you'll accept things that you really shouldn't accept. Yeah. So, you know, like, I realized that. And, you know, I let that go. But it still was heartbreaking because when when someone's a part of your day all the time, all day, every day, it's hard to let that go. Especially when you had some, like, really, really great moments together. You know, like, I always talk about, and I still to this day, no matter what has happened, feel like sisterhood is important. Brotherhood is important. Mm-hmm. And so having um, having people that you can lean on and that will support you is amazing and vice versa. And so when, when you feel betrayed or you feel like that person doesn't have your best interest at heart, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So it shattered me and I didn't realize that it did. And, um, you know, like I, I was recently triggered because I saw, um, I saw like a post with them in it, and I hadn't seen their face since, since I don't know, it been almost I wouldn't say a year, but it's been a while. And you know, at first I felt upset, but then I was like, mm, actually, what this is is I'm triggered because it's time to heal. Mm-hmm. I'm not triggered because of anything that person's done or anything that I've done, but I need to let it go. So when I shared that with her, that's when she was my cousin. She was like, you need to write, you know, the things that that bother you or things that you want to release on a balloon because it is a symbolic way of letting things go. Yeah. So good self-healing that's, tactic to add, y'all. Yes, yes. That's powerful. I, I, like when I was sitting here and I was thinking about it, I'm like... It always say that and I was I was speaking at a, a college fair like right before the pandemic happened back in January, and I would talk about my experience about how I you know ended up coming to Virginia State or whatever, and I remember saying to myself, saying to the young people there, I said, I've learned that the most significant experiences um, in life that I've had came in moments of of what was perceived as insignificance. And as I was driving here, like I said, I had no one, I had no idea that you lived where you close to where you lived at, somebody that I you know was dating or whatever. And as I was listening to what you were saying, I just thought about it. Like sometimes, true, like this is kind of an obvious answer, but you know, 
in grief, there will always be a catharsis. There will always be a cathartic moment where certain things will trigger you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you and, and I think that's just a part of the process. Even if you've arbitrarily decided that, okay, well, look, I'm not I'm with this person anymore. That's long gone. It's, it's, it's done. You're past it. But you might see certain things and you'll be like, wow, like, and sometimes you don't even know that these things have an effect on you mm-hmm. until you're like around. You're just like, wait a minute. Like, what? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, powerful uh, type of dynamic. But I always say, like, even with, like, fitness, um, the, the better you, the better body, I want to say better body, but the more progress you make in the gym, right? the more stress it puts on your body. That's why the recovery process is so important. But while you're going through that process, every day that you get an adequate amount of sleep, adequate amount of nutrition, your muscles are repairing themselves. Mm -hmm. Your mood might be down. Your body might be feeling stressed, but it's actually providing more room for you to grow, to have more muscle. Mm. And I think in a sense, it's the same thing with life, right? Like, Sometimes you have to go through those cathartic moments. You made the hard choice by letting it go because it no longer served you. And sometimes it, those choices, as good as and benevolent as they are, they are sometimes they sometimes feel like ramifications, right? Mm-hmm. They feel like consequences, like oh, you did this, so that happened, like a Murphy's law type of thing. But in actuality, like no, this is just breeding new ground for growth. Mm-hmm. For something new to take place and manifest itself, so um, I think on the topic of self healing, that's definitely something that has helped help me. And like I said, finding the right tactics or you know the right things to get through it is important, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that you are human. Yeah, you know, and you will feel things, and it's okay, mm-hmm. you know, to feel. You know what I mean? But if it's the wrong person, it's never okay to go back. Definitely. Well, that's a separate word in itself. (laughs) If it's the wrong person, it's never okay to go back, okay? (laughs) Now, I don't, you can pause here and rewind and play that shit all over again to get it in your mind and your spirit. If it's the wrong person, does that make it okay to go back? Well, I don't know if I could follow up behind that because that was really good. Um, And I really hope that. I know we we talked about three separate topics, but I think that they're very necessary topics, especially with what's going on. Yes, your your political climate is uh, necessary to be aware of right now and how to, to do your part to make your community better. It's important. Um, you need to choose the right person to be with if you're single. And if you're not single, you're in a relationship or a marriage, you really have to make sure that, that you both are happy and um you know that you have each other especially at this time and lastly self-healing self-healing is important no matter what time or year it is but especially now that that we society is changing as we know it and we have a lot more um downtime right now now is a good time to, to really look within um because you really don't want to let any more time go by without healing and without making sure that you're choosing the right people to be in your life. Um, So before we go, could you one more time tell us one more thing about your book, when we can expect it, and how people can find 
you or your business? Oh, great. Well, um, I got to make sure I give you one of my business cards, too. Um, I'm actually working on a website right now for the business, but you can also follow it on Instagram at Lewis Enterprise LLC. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at, I think it's underscore L-E-G-N-D-A-R-Y. I'll drop it in the bio. It'll be in the episode description. And then um, your book. So oh, yes. Uh, so uh, From the Bleachers, a Millennial View on Power and Democracy. That will be coming out soon. It's to, to be determined. I'm actually working with the publisher right now. Okay. Um, I'm excited to, to just talk about my journey. A lot of it, it talks about when I was in Virginia State up until about uh, 2018, which is great because as I was reading back, I saw that a lot of things that are happening in 2020, I talked about in 2016, 2018. So... It's an amazing, amazing um, correlation to where we're at now, and it speaks to my my view on just the political polarization and dispensation of, of just law and, and, and just how government is being ran. But more importantly, how we have the power to change it as people. You know, our, us doing our little part as a collective is important. I think you guys will enjoy it. I'll be sure to give it to uh, my good friend Sam here um, as soon as it comes out. So, yeah, you know. Thank you so much for having me. You know, this has been a wonderful opportunity. Of course. I, I'm just so happy to see you. Too. I'm happy to see you. Too. It's been forever. And, and and as soon as I kicked off this podcast and I started thinking of people that I want on, a lot of times, like, I feel like for people that are getting into uh, whether it be radio or they want to start their own show or podcast or YouTube channel, sometimes people are too fixated on getting a big celebrity or, you know, getting certain people on there when it's like really you never know why don't you just put yourself and your friends on put yourself and your fam on that has some good things to say or some good things to share Mm -hmm. um and let it go from there so you and um a a few other people were some of the main people that came to my mind because i knew that you had good things to share as well as some things that i that you're working on personally that i feel like you should put out there so thank you for joining um also for those of you who listened to the whole episode and you heard random things in the background i'm at home and so yeah (laughs) don't try to act like you don't have people to walk through your house too (laughs) but but i appreciate everyone listening this is the last episode of the season um and i will be coming out with season two soon i hope that this First season of Trill Talk with Sam has been a blessing, whether it's been something cool that you like to ride to, chill to, smoke to, draw to, paint to, I don't care, it's up to you. As long as you feel good and you feel inspiration from this podcast, we will definitely be getting together for another episode again in season two because we have a lot of hotel topics. (laughs) We have a full... Uh, uh, I'm black, y'all. I'm black. I'm black, 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 y'all. I'm gonna make sure I bring my dashiki too. Yes. With my Moses cane. Yes. Uh, please bring your kufi hats, your dashikis, and your onks to season two of Chill Talk with Sam. Um, but thanks for listening, guys. And if you um want to look up 
any of the things that we discussed. Um, so Zay's Instagram and his um, business info will be in the description of the episode. Please subscribe and stay tuned for season two. Stay safe out here in these Corona streets. Um, black people, take care of your mental health, your spiritual health, your physical health. We're going to be all right. Love y'all.